0: If you've worked in the web, the chances are you've heard the term object-oriented. However, if you're not a developer, then you've probably come to the conclusion that this doesn't apply to you. If you've ever heard a developer try to explain it, then you've almost certainly dismissed it as something only techies could possibly understand. Interestingly, that perception has begun to shift over the last few years and we're now beginning to see website owners, designers and content specialists interested in the idea of being object oriented. This is the point in my diatribe where I make the toes of every developer curl in horror as I describe what object oriented is My desire is not to describe object-oriented programming, but rather to introduce the overarching principle that can be applied outside of the role of the developer. So please bear with me if you're a developer. When looked at within the context of a website, being object-oriented involves breaking the user interface and content down into its component parts, otherwise known as objects. For example, if you were running Twitter.com, then a tweet could be considered an individual object. On an e-commerce site, a single product would also be an object. Each object consists of a number of elements um, that make up the entirety. An object consists of also a number of behaviours, In the case of a tweet, for example, it would be retweeting the tweet, deleting the tweet, replying to the tweet, favoriting the tweet, that kind of thing. Each object can also have multiple states. This state, this concept is a little tricky to explain. It basically means the object may alter depending on its context, but that's something I'm gonna get into more later. By this point, you may be thinking I sound far too much like a developer, but I promise you this applies to other web professionals too. Let me explain. Traditionally, we've thought about content um, as putting content online as pages on a website. For years, this model generally held up, but that's no longer the case. Our content is now appearing online in all kinds of different contexts. Sometimes content is viewed as an RSS feed, other times it might be syndicated to a third-party website. Google has even started grabbing some content types and displaying it within search results, so the list could go on and on and on. The arrival of Siri and Google Glasses further complicates the context of our content, as those technologies extract content from websites and deliver it to users in a custom format. These tools display, I suppose, snippets of data rather than web pages. With that in mind, we need to start looking at our content differently. We need to start looking at it as if it was an object-orientated viewport. We need to view it in a different way. Take, for example, this blog. You could easily think of it as a series of web pages. But actually, it's a lot more than that. For a start, it's made up of a huge number of objects. These include, but are not limited to, posts, podcast episodes, seasons, categories, series, uh, comments, products such as books and talks, uh, questions, testimonials. You get the idea. Each of these objects is made up of a number of components. So, for example, if you take something as simple as a comment, Even that's made up of the content of the comment, the poster, the date, the email address, and so on. These different objects may be displayed on a website, but they could just as easily be delivered via email, RSS, Instapaper, or even um, on somebody else's website. Hell, somebody might even print out um, a particular post or a comment and hand it around the office. This means there's no guarantee that the user will have the context of the rest of the website to refer to. Each object has to exist in its own right. It needs to be able to stand alone. As website owners, we should be looking at our content as objects that could appear anywhere. We need to actively look for ways of further spreading this content by providing APIs, marking up content with appropriate metadata, and allowing our content to spread. We need to stop forcing users that wish to consume our content from coming to our websites. We force them to come to our websites when there are actually much better alternatives out there. It doesn't matter if they see our fancy website design or not, as long as they hear our message. By allowing your content to spread, you will reach a far bigger audience than ever before. Look at the success of Twitter compared to Google+. Twitter's growth in the early days was heavily driven by the fact that anyone could build an app to grab their content. Google Plus, on the other hand, generally force users to go to their site and their app. Another great example is Amazon. Amazon Affiliate Scheme allows anyone to display their products on their website. They want to share their content as wisely as possible and they don't really care whether people visit their website or not. Thinking in terms of objects makes the mental shift easier and also helps facilitate the practicalities too. It's hard to imagine sharing pages from a website, but it's much easier to imagine sharing posts or podcast episodes. Also, if you think in terms of objects, it's easier to technically build content that is shareable and inaccessible. But object-oriented thinking is not limited to content providers. It also is a design issue, a design question too. The last few years, we've seen a radical shift towards object-oriented thinking within the design community. There was a time when almost all designers thought in terms of templates that content was poured into. You'd have different templates for different page types, but essentially they were just buckets for content. Now many web designers are starting to think in terms of pattern libraries. A pattern library is essentially a collection of designs for different content objects and components. For example, a A pattern library could contain designs for everything from articles and navigation to calendars and biographies. Pattern libraries include all of the different types of objects you may include on a site. A particular thing to note is that objects could have multiple states, as I mentioned earlier, and and they would appear in multiple formats within a pattern library. For example, a news story will look different on a details page than it would a listing page. On a details page, it's going to show all the components to make up the story, including the main content. However, on a listing page, it might only show the title and a short extract. This shift towards object-oriented thinking and design hasn't just moved designers away from templates towards pattern libraries. It's also had an impact on aesthetics. Looking around most modern websites, you will quickly notice a trend towards tiles or cards. Pininterest is a a great example of this, probably the best known, but I've also seen this technique used on everything from university sites to tech blogs. It would be easy to dismiss this as just another passing fad, but I believe it's more than that. Card-based design is a manifestation of this underlying shift towards object-oriented thinking. Cards allow objects to be displayed in various ways based on different contexts, either on your own website or elsewhere. Furthermore, card-based design is ideally suited to responsive design because the position and layout of these cards can easily be changed paired to a more traditional design approach. We are seeing an evolution in the way we are thinking about the design and content that we are putting online, where once it was all about your website We are now in a much more diverse online environment and our content needs to adapt accordingly.